I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, April 29th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, it's business, finance, and tech, and rarely about sports, but... We're recording this before the Raptors game on Thursday night. It's a big night for the Raptors. I feel like we talk about sports more often than not, but it's a huge night for the Raptors. And so they were down, let's just give some context to people, to the Peak Pals. They were down 3 nothing in in the series. And they won the past two games. So it's 3-2 now. And they could tie the series tonight. And if they won the series, they would be the first team in NBA history to ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. Wouldn't that be insane, Jay? It would be great. I know of another team that came down from uh, 0-3 in a series, the Red Sox 2004. It changed the course of world history, to be quite honest. But I think the Raptors are going to win tonight, and I have been not uh, hopeful for their chances. But my son wore his Fred Van Vliet jersey to school today, and I think that might be the good luck charm, which I feel like he might have to wear throughout the playoffs if they keep it up. Well, I'm going to wear my Jeremy Lin jersey tonight. The only Chinese-American to ever win a NBA championship with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, well, period. But then he won it with the Toronto Raptors in 2018-2019. And yeah, I'm I'm excited. Well, go Raps. Do people call them the Raps? Am I just making that up? Of course. Okay, there we go. call them the Raps. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, aside from our dabbling into sports this week, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, Meta's Surge. For our second story, Canadian Freedom Internet. For our third story, New Loans. For our first story, Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook, their stock surged yesterday after adding more users than expected, but they posted its slowest revenue growth since going public a decade ago. This all according to a story in the Wall Street Journal. Brett, you almost have to respect Meta. They've got everything going against them right now, but they're still fighting that Zuckerberg. What do we learn from their earnings? Well, here's the crazy thing is that Meta, despite all of the headwinds going against them, they just kind of print money. And so despite growing competition, iOS privacy updates being blocked in Russia and a generally uncool reputation, Meta's number of daily users rose by 31 million. I have no idea where those people are, but that's what happened. But it still missed revenue expectations, bringing in $27.9 billion dollars. When they predicted, and this is where people always get in trouble, when they predicted $28.2 billion, they didn't hit the the goal. And while the stock did surge, it wasn't enough to reverse a nearly 50% hit Meta's stock has taken since it announced its metaverse ambitions last October. But this still hasn't stopped Zuckerberg from pouring money into the metaverse-related projects like a bartender pouring shots during happy hour, including spending almost $3 billion this past quarter alone on its Reality Labs division, which focuses on VR and AR headwear. And here's the big problem with this whole metaverse pivot. Well, according to Ipsos, only 38% of Americans are familiar with the concept of the metaverse, and only 16% could actually accurately describe it. Another poll from the UK found that 93% of people aged 18 to 24 said they have no plans on spending money in the metaverse. I certainly don't. And so it's good to hear that I'm not alone. Jay, what's the big takeaway from Meta's earnings? Well, I will say if you just went one cohort lower, like ages five to 17, they are spent. I'm spending money on the metaverse for them. And it's called Roblox and I'm spending Robux. So the people slightly younger than that are actually spending money in something like the metaverse. But anyway, Mark Zuckerberg said that investments into various metaverse technologies won't see returns until at least the latter half of this 
decade. That's decade, not year, but decade. But with Meta predicting revenue for Q2, that could potentially see 0% quarterly growth for the first time ever, which is, to put it mildly, pretty bad for a big publicly traded company. The company might not be able to afford the wait. Jay, I'll play devil's advocate here. Judging if Mark Zuckerberg's betting on your kids being big in the metaverse, that's not the worst bet in the world. It's also, if you're putting off revenue growth for 10 years, like you're never going to miss earnings because you said you weren't going to yeah. have any for 10 years. So lower yeah. expectations and then exceed them, I think, is Zuckerberg's new strategy with the metaverse. For our second story, Canada has joined 55 other countries in signing a pledge to promote connectivity, democracy, and quote unquote, the enjoyment of human rights and fundamental freedom, something I think we all like to do on the on an internet that is open, reliable, and secure. Jay, what a dream that internet sounds like. And it's, it seems like it's very different than what we have today. What did the countries agree to? Well, the pledge called a declaration for the future of the internet, dun, 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 that does sound important, is not legally binding, but it presents a series <laughs> of standards and practices that in theory will be used as a reference point for shaping policies across participating nations. Okay, so per the New York Times, some measures include promises never to shut down internet access, not to illegally spy on citizens using algorithms, and not to use the internet to undermine democratic elections. I think those are all pretty good things. I think so too. Another interesting point is the promise not to develop modes of domestic social control, including social scorecards, which seems like a barely veiled swipe at China's social credit system. Now, Brett, this seems all kind of timely with everything going on with Russia, Ukraine, even I'll throw in Twitter and Facebook right now. What's the big takeaway from the declaration? Well, we've talked about this before. There's kind of like multiple different internets emerging. And so as Russia continues to follow China's lead by banning Western tech companies and developing its own isolated version of the internet, concerns about internet authoritarianism are at an all-time high. This pledge is a way for Western nations to standardize online values and form a united front against these so-called web enemies. Can we just call them webinies? Yeah. <laughs> trying to combine those two words. They don't go together well. And for our final story, after calling it quit at Twitter last November, the company's founder, Jack Dorsey, found a new mission, directly competing for small business business with the country's biggest banks here in Canada. Brett, it's wild to think that Jack only quit Twitter a few months ago, which is weird to think about. Also, easy to forget that he's still the CEO of one of the biggest fintech companies in the world. What's this new product of his? Yeah, okay. So Block, which was formerly called Square, the digital payments company run by Dorsey, has expanded its small business loans program to Canada, available as of this week. And this is all per Bloomberg. Now, some context on Square in Canada. Square has been around the country for almost a decade now, probably because the addressable market is massive. Of 1.22 million businesses with at least one paid employee, 97.9% are small businesses and 1.9% are medium-sized businesses. And only 0.2% of all businesses in Canada are large. And since 2015, Square Loans, which is what it's called, in the U.S. and Australia has provided more than $9 billion, with a B, dollars in loans to more than 460,000 businesses with an average loan size of $6,750. And it's provided about $33 million in financing so far to beta testing Canadian merchants. And now they're finally ready to roll it up north and all eligible small businesses can now take on loans with Square by paying an upfront fee and see the funds in the accounts as soon as the next day. Now, borrowers can then pay them back over time as a set percentage of their daily card sales with Square. 
Now, Square has already tapped into customers' cash flow management systems through new features like a card that gives instant access to funds processed through Square. Making repayment more convenient will be another huge advantage. And Jay, here's why this all matters. Now, according to an Industry Canada survey, 70% of small and medium-sized businesses who request financing, a third did in 2018 alone, by the way, get it mostly from domestic banks. As competition to provide capital ramps up, borrowers should ultimately benefit from just the increase in options. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, as you head out on your weekend, I want you to take a look at Jack Dorsey's beard. He is the beard that I, I am emulating right now. And whether he runs companies into the ground or is a jerk at Twitter, whatever it is, his beard, his beard game is on point. I actually think Jack Dorsey is a nice guy, or at least appearing to be a nice guy based on his public persona. But your beard is actually pretty competitive with his. Well, I'm working on it. Maybe if I get my beard there, then he'll want me at Square and maybe I can join the Twitter board too. Yeah. Well, don't, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't hold your breath. I won't. Have a good day, Brett. You too, Jay. 